Welcome to another edition of Chris Gilmore On Demand. I thought today we would have a little bit of fun. Uh, so again, for you guys watching on Vimeo and YouTube, thank you so much. And for you guys listening to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud, thank you for the love. Now, what I did the other day, I thought I'd have a little bit of fun. And I put out on a uh, Insta stories that we're going to do some live vids and we'll answer your questions. And I got a whole range of questions. So what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to read out who asked the question and then I'll give you my answer and we'll see how this comes out. So the first one we got here is from RhinoG79 on Instagram. How you going, Rhino? I um, hope married life is treating you well, mate. You've been newly married for, what, two months now? His question is, you have met some great people. Who would you like to meet out of anyone in the world? This is a great question. I probably would have to say... Rhino, there'd be two people and they're both sports people, actually, because I've been lucky enough. I've met Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sir Richard Branson, Gary Vaynerchuk. So I've met some pretty crazy people, uh, George St. Pierre as well. So I've met some really cool people and all the stars from Million Dollar Listing, New York and LA. But the two people, if, if, if I could pick who I would like to meet, the first one would definitely be Lewis Hamilton, Formula One world champion. I always say if I ever die and get reincarnated, I want to come back as Lewis Hamilton. I'm a massive Lewis fan on the track and off the track. I just, yeah, that's that's one guy. I would love to just sit down with half an hour and just absolutely just have a chat with him. And the second person would be probably my long-term idol. And I'd say this would be, for many people, would be Michael Jordan. Been, been a big Jordan fan. I've got probably 50 pairs of Jordans in my house. So they would be the two people, uh, Rhino, that I would love to meet if I ever had that opportunity. So... Maybe one day I'll get to meet Lewis Hamilton. That's probably going to be more plausible to get a hold of Michael Jordan, probably a little bit harder. But there's question number one. The next one is a real estate topic is how do I get product knowledge of my farm area? So for anyone that's not in real estate, what that question is asking us is in real estate, we have sort of selected areas uh, like suburbs that we work in and it's we call them farm areas. So basically we're going out, we're prospecting for new business for homes that we want to sell in uh, that particular suburb. So that's what I can go back how I've gone through my farm area in the last 11 years. Basically, I used to walk the streets. So I used to drive them every single day. I would have a look and study every single home because people move, but houses don't move. So your product knowledge is actually the house. Yes, you've got to know the people that live in the home, but you actually really need to know the insides and out of each home because they're always going to stay there no matter what. What I used to do was just, um, I would walk when I used to do my letterbox deliveries and when I jumped on the bike. So constantly every single day I would be in my farm area of such. And then you just get to learn, get to know people. So you get to understand more about that farm area, but it's a pretty simple question to answer. It is just be in your area every single day, notice what's going on, have a look at what's going on, read some articles, get the latest news, talk to the residents because you'll often find that the residents do know a lot more than what you probably will because they live in that area. They're talking to the neighbours. They'll talk about if a house was broken into or a car was stolen or these people have just moved in or these guys are going through a divorce. It's sort of like that desperate housewives, um, the street sort of things. So just get in with the local people and that's how you get to know and become the ultimate expert in your farm area. Hope that answers your question. We are getting stuck into more questions. You guys have been pumping us with all of these questions and I'm having so much fun just answering them. And this one's absolutely a really cool question. Now, 
This one is from Must Be With The Bag on Instagram. This one, I thought I'd do a little bit more special. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna cut to a video that we'll record. But the question is, what is the best thing about the Tesla? Now, I was listening to the Joe Rogan and Elon Musk podcast the other day, and they were talking about the Tesla and he said, uh, Elon was trying to describe to Joe about uh, the Model X and that's the car that I drive with the Falcon doors that come up off the sides and it's it's really, really cool car. But he said it's not actually a car. They're not a car company. It's more about having a an experience and having fun while you're driving that vehicle. And that is one thing I can ultimately say about having a Tesla. So many people bag us about having a Tesla. I think they're just jealous. When you see what my Tesla can do, no other car can do it. Not only is it the fastest car that you can possibly buy, it actually can dance and do a little bit of a ballet. So I've probably got you intrigued. Stay tuned for the video. We will post the video up of what they call party mode on a Tesla. So stay tuned. Now I've got this one from Adzi Gordon. Now, for those who don't know who Adzi Gordon is, Adzi's a, a pro triathlete. Uh, he's my coach getting me to where I've gotten to so far in my Ironman and triathlon. He basically just said, when are you coming to train? So ads, mate, we'll be back in the gym soon. Uh, that's an easy one to answer, mate. I'm a little bit busy. So, but we will definitely be catching up again soon. Still going through all these questions. We've been bombarded with some questions and I love all these questions. So mainly about business or sport or real estate, they, that's my specialty. But this one is a bit of a, a tricky one. And it says, what is the price of eggs in China? Interesting question. Guess what? It's a question that I actually know the answer for because I actually, I eat eggs every single day. I could live on eggs actually in my diet. I have an omelet every single morning for breakfast. So I actually do know what it costs for a dozen of eggs in China. And at the moment with the current exchange rate from Chinese to the, to the yen to the Australian dollar is actually $3.66. So Ted, I hope that answers your question. But I got a really crazy question that just came through uh, yesterday. And it was, why do starfishes have five legs or five arms? So that's a really interesting question. But again, I actually know the answer to this. And triathlete Ted, you're actually wrong. Because starfish don't actually have legs or arms. They have five limbs. And they actually don't have a head. And they don't also they don't have a brain. Thanks for the curly question, but I actually knew your answer. Hope you learned something from that triathlete, Ted. Anyway, get back to the pool, mate, and back into training. The next one that we've got that has come through is, how do you balance everything in your day-to-day -day life? This one's a really good question and, and something that I, I think I can talk about quite easily. So we run a business, four offices in, in our real estate company, All Properties Group. Uh, there's about 70 employees. I run a personal team of five myself in real estate. I am married. I have two kids, do Ironman, I do triathlons and a little bit of motor racing on the side. So I get asked this question quite a bit. How do we balance everything in life from day to day? It's hard. And I'm the first to admit that it's, it is very hard to try and give some sort of balance to everything and everything that you want to do. But how I'm sort of structured allows me to to try and so for any of my training that I do if it's a run or a um or a ride for my triathlon it's always done at 4 or 5 a.m in the morning while the rest of the family is asleep so I probably sleep a lot less than most people I get uh, about six hours seven hours a day but I think the key is it doesn't matter how much you guys sleep it's about what you actually do with the rest of the 18 hours in that day most people might be a typical nine to five job so you've got to put that block aside 
What can you be doing from 7 p.m. to midnight? Have you got some sort of side business, side hustle? That could be spending time with family, friends. It's just, I think it's all about, we all have 24 hours a day. I think it's just what we choose and who we choose to spend that time with. But all my training is always done in the morning, very early while my family is asleep. I do my typical day in real estate. I have Sundays off. I try and get half days off here and there when we can. So look, great question. It is hard. All depends on where you want to put your time. Sleep less or sleep faster, as they say. But that's pretty much how I try and balance everything. So great question. The next question that we have that has come in, what's your best time management tip or tool? A uh, great question and something I think that everyone always asks. So how do we make better use of our time? Well, it's really, really simple. I just sleep faster than everybody else. No, I'm just joking. So look, it's um, my, best, my best tip would be choose who you spend your time with and how you choose to spend your time. So I know in real estate, uh, we call these real estate offices adult daycare centers, some of them, you know, where they came, they come in at nine o'clock and then they go and have their coffee by 9.30 and they sit around the water cooler and they complain about how bad the market is and stuff like that. For me, when I come to work, I come to work. So I have very little chit chat with my team. I'm basically, if I'm at work, I'm at work. Do you know what I mean? And if, if we need to talk about anything, we can text, phone, Facebook message or outside of work hours. So choose who you spend your time with. So if you're hanging around loser friends that just suckle your energy and suckle your time, dump them, get rid of them. So that's a big tip. So choose who you spend your time with, I think is a great management tool. But remember, we have 24 hours in the day. It's just how you choose and where you choose to spend that 24 hours. So everyone will have blocks of time. You, know, you could spend four hours with your kids here and then that gives you two hours worth of exercise here. And then you've got nine hours worth of work and then you've got seven hours worth of sleep. It's just how you choose to spend your time. So my best, my best time management tip would be Though if you hang around loser friends, get rid of them. Keep your questions coming. So we're still getting through all these questions. We're just gonna rattle all of these out as much as we can. But the next question that we've got, how hard is Ironman? So for those that don't know what an Ironman event is, here is the context around an Ironman. An Ironman event is a 3.8 kilometer ocean swim. It's a 180 kilometer bike ride finished off with a 42.2 kilometer marathon. And if I've probably just lost 99.9% .9 of you because you're probably thinking, are we crazy? Are we crazy? Absolutely. Is it hard? Absolutely. Nothing in this world that is rewarding is ever easy. What you need to understand about an Ironman, sure, I've only done one full Ironman and I've done a couple of half Ironmans, but my first full Ironman that I did, we completed in 11 hours, 36 minutes, and 56 seconds. So my question is, how did you choose to use your 11 hours and 36 minutes? That's what I was doing. I was punishing my body. It's actually not doing that event. It was the 18 months of training every single day leading up to that. So I think a lot of people actually don't see that. They just think these people just turn up on the event and smash their bodies for 11, 12 hours. Or... So you actually have 17 hours to complete the course in. So I was lucky we, we made that by six hours or so. But is it hard? Absolutely, it's hard. Is it rewarding? It is probably the most rewarding thing I have ever done in my life was completing my first Ironman. The, the chills and, and the feeling that I got when I got to run down that red carpet with the crowd just cheering either side of me. You know, we started at, uh, we were up at 4.30 a.m. cooking my breakfast. Uh, we started the race when the sun was just coming up. 
and I got to finish my race when there was it was dark. So the photos look awesome. My next goal is to finish it in daytime. We got to see some crocodiles on the way, which was kind of cool because it was in Cairns. But I think a lot of people don't actually see the behind the scenes stuff, the physio, the gym work, the stretching and the strength conditioning. You've got to be good or mediocre at three sports, not one, swimming, which most people aren't. So that's a skill in itself. Riding a bike's a little bit easy, but I've only got chicken legs. So it's a little bit harder for me to get the power out of my chicken legs. Uh, and running, well, I broke my leg in half in a motor racing accident. So I hadn't run too much since then. So building that strength and, and conditioning the body. Again, I would recommend it to anyone, to be honest. And so if you're listening to this and, and I've inspired you to do an Ironman, I want to see the photo and tell me because it's probably, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but the most rewarding thing I think I've ever accomplished. And I'm going to do another one in 38 weeks. So we've booked another one. So I think some people think we're crazy, but it's, for me, it's a great outlet for, to get away from work. So um, that's why I choose to do it and punish my body. Whatever you choose, would love to hear it. We're still getting through some of our questions and answers. So keep them coming in. We'll keep answering them. So this one comes from Tieran Manning. Now, I know Tieran was, uh, I don't know if he's still in real estate. He could be still in real estate, interstate. Great question. And I've got a perfect response for this one. So buying from interstate. So this is a very real estate topic. What opportunities or risks should people be aware of? So if you live in a state and you're thinking of buying a property in a different, not in your local area, but in a, say you're in Sydney and you want to buy something in Queensland, which I recommend, um, or if you're in Queensland, you want to, and you can afford something in Sydney, you must be doing well. But what risks and what should we, we be looking at? I replied to him on Facebook saying, great question. And he sort of elaborated a little bit more on that. Like, why should they buy through a traditional firm with local market experience or local buyer agents versus a financial planning firm based in Sydney or Melbourne? And I just said to him, I'm absolutely going to not get any more business now from financial companies after I give you my response. From my experience, anyone that has purchased a property from interstate through a financial company has never made money on that property. Now, I could be completely just having the wrong opinion, but that is my opinion on any home that I've ever sold from a interstate investor. They've rung us, we've gone through the property, we see what they purchased it for, most times it's gone down because what these guys are trying to do, what what you've got to remember is they're a financial planning firm. They're not real estate. They're good with money and they'll give you ideas on how to spend your money. They're not going to give you the advice like a local real estate or a local buyer's agent's going to give you. Real estate agents know exactly what's going on in the market if they're good and experienced. And 99% of them are. My recommendation is if you are going to buy interstate, this is my recommendation. Firstly, do your own research. There is nothing stopping you guys doing an hour's worth of research online every night for a week. And you, by the end of the week, you would be a pro on where to buy and where not to buy. What you need to do is you need to spend the time in researching, but also ringing the local real estate agents. It's very easy to find the agents. You'll find the top performing agents, find people that are selling lots of property and call them and get their opinion, okay? They will be very upfront. If someone, and we get this a lot, if someone rings me and says, Chris, we're thinking of investing into this suburb, I'd ask them firstly, why? Well, someone here told us, you know, it was a good area. I said, it's cheap and it's cheap for a reason. Nothing ever is cheap as good, okay? You need to understand where you are buying because it's a big financial decision because if, if you're buying another property for an investment, it means you've already got a property, 
you want to try and capitalize and use the equity on that and building your portfolio. However, when markets crash or areas are not as good as what they think, generally, most of the time, they're losing money. So there would be certain areas that I know in Brisbane that I would not purchase in. But if I was to purchase in Sydney, firstly, I would go online, I would do my research. You can get this research at the tip of your fingers on any website. And then I would start ringing some local real estate agents and doing my own research before just jumping in and spending 400, 500, $600,000 on a house for an investment. So to answer your question, would I buy through a financial firm? Absolutely not. I would go the most logistical way and the most proven way is do your own research and ring a local real estate agent and they will give you the right advice. That way you shouldn't lose money. So hopefully that answers your question, Taryn. Ponyo, uh, who I know and is a mad keen motor racing fan, asks another real estate question. Buying for investment, unit versus homes versus apartments. Thanks, thumbs up. Very cool. Easy, 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 easy one. Antonio, if personally, if I was to buy a investment property, I would not buy a unit, plain and simple. Again, from my experience in the last 11 years of being in the industry, Units, there's too many of them. There's an oversupply of them anywhere, in, uh, especially in Brisbane, but Sydney's the same, but they've got the population in Brisbane. We don't quite have the population just yet. So developers are building more units. Why? Because they can make more money. They can fit more on a smaller parcel of land. However, remember you don't ever own the land and you've got your body court fees on top as well too. Where the value in real estate is buying is in the land. The land generally will always appreciate and your house generally with age depreciates unless you keep modernizing it. So really simple answer, buy a home over in an, a unit. If you can't quite afford a house, keep saving or just bring down the areas where you want to buy in. But I would always recommend buying a house. Really simple. If you want to know more about that, we can dive into this a lot more, but that's the short answer. Thanks, Antonio, for sending that one through. I hope that uh, answers your questions, but dude, ring me, mate. I'll give you the advice, so it's all good. Thanks, Antonio. This is a question that has come through from Adam Skeen. Now, Adam asks us, balancing high-performance sales with triathlon training. So a little bit of business, a little bit of sport, very easy one for me to answer, Adam. So I generally roughly do around eight to 10, maybe 12 hours a week, depending on my schedule for triathlon training. Most of all of that is always done between the hours of 4 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. So then that allows me to do my day-to-day -day business. I generally twice a week will go for a swim between 11 and 12 o'clock on a Tuesday and a Friday. So that's always set aside in my calendar. When I do my, my swimming, I like to swim outside and in the, in the weather. So that's how I get around that. That's how I sort of balance. And how do we do high-performance sales? That's really simple, mate. I've got a big team behind me. I'm very lucky and fortunate that I do have a team. I couldn't do the amount of sales that we do in real estate without having my guys behind me. So I do have a team of four, myself and four others, and we're all specialized in each role. So that is how I sort of balance high performance sales with triathlon training. It's easy to train for a triathlon because we've got 24 hours in the day. We've answered some of these other questions about time management and balancing family life and work and stuff like that. All of my training is always done between 4am and 6.30 every single day of the week, except for Saturdays because we run open homes. I like to stay fresh for, for my owners on a Saturday, but the other six days I'm training at those particular times plus swimming the two other times during the day. The rest of the time is with family or at work. So that's how we balance it. So I hope that answers your, uh, your question there, Adam. Thanks for writing that one in. Thanks for watching Chris Gilmore On Demand. Not yet, no!